if we know our Bibles, we tend to learn, uh, I don't know, verses from what Jesus said or Paul said, but not actually many Proverbs. Now, saying that, if we go to the next slide, there is one proverb, or a couple of proverbs, really. There are two verses that we know well. And if you do know any Bible verses, perhaps if you have a favourite couple of Bible verses, at least in your top ten, I guess this would feature, just nod along if it would feature a bit, because it is a great passage to unpack. So let's, uh, let's read it together. Three, two, one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. I think we read that well together. Maybe we should do that each week and we could do memory verses and then you're going to know a lot of the Proverbs. And remember, we are doing this till Easter, so we've got plenty of time to become wise and to learn the ways of the wise. So trust in the Lord. What does it mean to trust? That's what we're going to be fixating on this evening. To trust means to put your full weight upon something. And the best way I can think about it is when you tend to do it this way, because I'm thinking about the trustful. We're going to watch a video which explains, and I think really, uh, really uh, encapsulates what trust is all about. You may have seen that um, a few years ago when it went viral. A lesson in clear communication. But it got me thinking, as I watched that again, that to trust in God means to take your entire weight and to do as that gentleman did. He, he, he knew secretly behind the cameras, there was obviously someone there, but he lent his whole weight, he literally belly flopped. And to trust in God means to belly flop onto God with all your failures, with all your hopes, with all your fears, is to stake everything on God to the extent that if he's not there, if he's not there to catch you, you are utterly screwed. Real trust is that blunt, it's that simple, and it's that daring. We see that so evidently in this passage. I don't know about you, but I... In some respects, I find trusting God to be pretty easy. When it comes to the things that I know I can't control and to th the things that on an everyday basis can seem pretty big, but yet pretty abstract, I find it pretty easy to trust God. So, you know, becoming a Christian, learning about eternal salvation and eternal relationship with God, I think I'm okay with trusting God for that. I'm happy to just dive on, belly flop, onto God. But when it comes to the everyday things, I like to, I don't know about you, I, I like to be in control of those. I like to dabble, I like to meddle with those sorts of things. When it comes to thinking about the immediate future, uh, my son, uh, money, how I spend my time, I don't really want to belly flop onto God then. I don't really want to lean much of my weight onto him and to fully trust in him at all. I find that very hard and maybe I'm not the only one 
this evening who feels like that. So how do we trust God? Do we lean forward with everything onto God? What does it actually look like to belly flop onto God? Well, look again if we could, uh, yeah, we've got the passage up there. Verse 5 says, trust the Lord with all your heart, and then it says, and do not lean on your own understanding. So this is the do not in order to trust. And I like to, and I guess I'm not the only one, I like to lean on my own understanding. When I get up in the morning and I have some time to pray, I like to tell God I'm busy, I'm really tired, and I like to give him the list of things that I need help with, the list of people that I think need some help, and I tell him all the things about those people and what he needs to do, and then I'm essentially saying, could you now sign there, there, and there. It's kind of what Heidi does because she's a lawyer and whenever we get some sort of legal document like the mortgage she just literally puts the post-it notes there and says just sign there there and there and I, I to be honest so much of my prayer when it comes to faith when it comes to trusting I can easily just say to God could you just rubber stamp this for me we all know that this plan's the right thing for those people and for my circumstances now can you just okay it can you just bless that Lord what's wrong with that mentality that we can all fall into. Why can't we just lean on our own standing? Why can't we just follow the desires of our heart, which so often in society we're taught, go with your heart, go with how you feel about a certain situation, do what's right for you. You are the only one who knows what's best for you. I guess part of the reason, if we read our Bibles just a little bit, we'll see that our hearts because of sin, are corrupt, they're darkened, that actually we are by nature selfish, and that is always impacting our plans and our ways of uh, acting in the world. And then also the other thing is to realise that we are very limited, that we worship a God who gets to see everything and gets to know for every single individual what is the right course for them. I was really struck by this when I was reading through the book of Joseph, which is definitely, not the book of Joseph, the book of Genesis, reading the story of Joseph, which is definitely a good story if you want to know about the twists and turns with someone who trusted and perhaps didn't trust in God at some points. And we all know that memorable verse there in Genesis 50, where Joseph turns to his brothers who have done some horrible things to him and he says, you meant it for my harm, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. It doesn't say God meant it for my good. And I thought about that and I reflected and thought, that's interesting, isn't it? Because here we have God who uh, selected him and then obviously Israel and all that sort of stuff and knows about salvation history, he orchestrates it, he knows how everything needs to move in rhythm together, he knows how the jigsaw puzzles need to come together for a perfect plan, his perfect plan of salvation. And he doesn't do things for our good, he didn't do things for Joseph's good, he did things for good for knowing what would be the ultimate good in that situation. He's not just a God who's just pandering and serving a bunch of individuals and trying to tie it all together. No, God is good. He has a great plan. It's not just a great plan for us as individuals that he's following and dancing to the tune of. It's a bit like thinking about uh, 
I know so often it's almost like I treat God like a waiter, that I'm asking for him to dish up this and to get me that, and he's just there on my beck and call. And the reality is I need to, we need to switch it around, that we're there by God's side, asking, what is it that you need? How do you want me to serve you? What is it that you want me to go out and get for you? So how do we turn it around? How do we make sure we're not just leaning on our natural understanding, knowing that we are sinful, knowing that we are limited, and knowing that it is God and trusting in him that is actually what we need to do with our life? How do we radically change our mindset and our hearts on this issue? How do we make decisions? Well, verse 6 gives us really the complete answer. It simply says this, in all your ways, acknowledge him. And we need to take some time to just dwell on that word, acknowledge, because it's a significant word. We need to pay careful attention to it, because in the Hebrew, it's giving a command, and it could be translated like, in all your ways, know him. That is God's command to every one of us. In all your ways, know him. In all your ways, know God. The word know means to know God in a deeply and intimate, personal way. It's the kind of knowing that comes with personal experience. And we know there's different types of knowing. We know Boris Johnson as our Prime Minister. We know quite a lot about certain things that have happened uh, during lockdown and those sort of revelations coming out. We know a lot about him. The reality is not one of us, to my understanding, know him on a personal level. We don't have a friendship with him. He doesn't know us. If we were to call him up and ask him for lunch, you know, he wouldn't really respond to that. We don't know him personally. And yet, when I think about knowing my wife, there's an intimate, very different way uh, that I know her. That after being married for shy of eight years, it's interesting how a strange thing begins to happen. You know, sometimes I'll be sitting in the living room and uh, I'll be thinking of a song in my head. And then this strange thing happens. Heidi will start singing the exact song. How does that happen? I don't know. Or I'll be thinking about a question and then suddenly Heidi will just blur out the question or I'll be thinking, I'll start to say something and before I finish, Heidi will know how to finish my sentence. How does that happen? And I might then turn to Heidi in that situation and say, how can you do this? What is this magic? And she would, of course, turn to me and say something sweet like, I know what you are thinking even before you say it. That's intimacy, isn't it? And that's what we have, some of us who are married, we've experienced Something of that in terms of intimacy. And with that in mind, you could retranslate verse 5 to say something like this. In all your ways, know God intimately, deeply, personally. Know how God thinks and how he feels. Know what warms his heart and breaks his heart. Know what he's passionate about and what he hates. And when you know God in that way, in area of your life, he will begin to direct your path. 
Do you want to know the secret of knowing the will of God? Here it is, it's not a secret formula. In everything you do, know God. That's it. That's really the message for this evening. What is the will of God for my life, for every single person's life? It's to know God in everything. To see him present everywhere and in everything and to live our lives in total surrender to him. You see, the most important thing is not the decisions we face on a daily basis. The most important thing is our relationship with God. And the closer we get to God, the easier we will find that God guides us in the way he wants us to go. Okay, but what does that actually look like in practical terms? Well, let's take something that may be a small, but yet a very significant step that you're going to take. Maybe it's something like you've applied for a new job. And maybe what this verse means in, in, in sort of practi- in practical in, in action is really that when you hand in that job application, when you press send, you just pause for a moment cautiously and you just say to God, God, I think this is the right job. It seems to fit me well. I seem to have the right skills. You seem to be calling me through the natural circumstances of life. But God, if this is not right for me, please could you close the door? That's an easy thing to say, but when I've been in different situations, that's a very hard thing to pray and actually mean. I much prefer, God, this is the ideal thing for me. This is the ideal place for me to go. God, you know that. Help me along. Amen. But to actually invite God to slam the door on you if it needs to be because you know him intimately and all you want to do is to serve him with your life in all areas. See, we can get so hung up on decisions of life. Should I go there? Should I go there? Should I take that job? Should I say no or yes to that situation? But here is what the passage is teaching in one sentence. God is much less concerned with what you do than what kind of person you are. I'll say that again. I think this is the point of the passage. God is much less concerned with what you do than what kind of person you are. See, the question when we are presented with a new opportunity, with a direction in life, is not where are we going to go, but what kind of person are we going to be when we actually go, wherever we end up going. The question perhaps is not, should I marry that person? But maybe it's more, what kind of person am I going to end up being like if I do marry that person? God is much less concerned, I believe, as I've reflected on this passage, with what you do than with what kind of person you are. He cares about what you are becoming not just what you are doing and the many options you could take with what you're doing. So what are we promised in this passage if we diligently do that each day? Well, verse 6 says, He will make straight your paths. The promise is this, if you will know God in every area of your life, God is going to take personal responsibility to make your way smooth, and to make your way straight. Now, that does not mean 
that God will make things straightforward for you. That does not mean that he will make things easy for you, that everything in your life will go smoothly for you. But it does mean that God will remove the obstacles if they need to be removed. God will be able to be the one who fills in the potholes on a road that just seems too dangerous to go upon. God will be the one who will redirect you and take you on a detour, the detour he needs to take you on, even where it seems like you're only coming to another dead end. Does not mean that out, it does mean that out of the mess of our lives, with all its twists and turns, God can create something beautiful. He will lead us to his desired goal. I really like, and I don't know if you've come across not in the book of Proverbs, but the Portuguese proverb, which says this, God writes straight with crooked lines. God writes straight with crooked lines. See, God will take the crooked lines of your life, of my life, and looking back, you will see that he has used those crooked lines as the most direct path to get you exactly to where you needed to go. I really like the way Philip Yancey defines faith. He says this, Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. Just think about that for a moment. Faith means believing in advance what will only make sense in reverse. I wonder how God has directed your paths. I wonder how he has straightened your roads, which have been all twisty and and curvy and and they've been tricky to maybe travel upon. I think about and just reflect, kind of coming towards an end now in my own life. And when I was 17, I became a, a Christian and at a similar time, I really felt a calling into ministry, whatever that meant. You know, some people preachers say, I felt called into ministry and all this sort of stuff. And I thought, okay, I had that calling from the Holy Spirit. And I thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be the coolest youth worker ever. In fact, there's a job going at the church. I think I should have applied for it. I thought, I'm going to be the coolest youth pastor. I was 17 years old at the time. That's all I knew that ministry was. So I volunteered to do youth work at, on a Friday night. And after, well, after a week, I did it for four weeks before I left, I absolutely hated it. And all we did back then was we played on the PlayStation 2. We were on PlayStation 2 back then. And I thought, what on earth is this? What do you mean, the youth worker would say, it's about building relationships? What do you mean, building relationships? And um, that wasn't the right thing for me. I then went off to university and I did a theology degree. I thought we probably should do that, shouldn't I? And I had quite a hard experience of doing that, but I really involved getting involved in a church plant that I got heavily involved in. And at the end of that, I did an internship because there was another guy who basically did an internship, and then he was on the road to becoming the new pastor of the church. I thought, I'll do that. And I found at the end of that internship, there were no opportunities at all. And then, but when I was doing that, I was teaching guitar because... There was a guy who said, do you need a job? You're not getting paid to do this. You have to pay to do this internship with the church. Why don't you go and teach guitar? I'm a peripatetic guitar teacher. You can have my job. I thought, okay, I'll have that. 
and I taught in a primary school in a little village and then I had to commute over on the train to Exeter College. And I knew by the process of elimination that I never wanted to teach teenagers ever or teach at secondary school, but I did enjoy teaching at the primary school. And then I did, did a PGCE, became a teacher for five years, really loved that and found for some reason I was able to get job promotions and to have quite good experience on the leadership team at the school. And simultaneously, I was also asked to be on the leadership team at, a church, at the church I was at. And I found, again, there was a sort of fork that I couldn't really, with the commitment these two things had for me and how I wanted to do them really well, I, I thought I had to sort of think this through and if an opportunity to work for a church would come up again. And then, for some reason, I got a free copy of Premier Magazine. And in there, I saw a job, 10 minutes away from the house we were buying on Chelsham Road. And um, it was for a job that I had no vocational call to whatsoever. It was uh, a job description of which did not fit me at all. It was for a children and youth worker. And I applied anyway. And after a very long discussion, after pulling out of the process several times, I ended up getting a job at that church. And uh, amazingly, um, you know, it, it worked this way out that I was able somehow to become a Baptist minister, which I wouldn't recommend to anyone. <laughs> but um, I don't really know what I'm trying to say with all of this. But if I... I suppose preachers say things like, I've got so much more I could say, and use that as an excuse where they're clearly coming to an end and I, I better now draw things towards a close. I suppose what I want to say is that when you look at your life, hopefully you can see even now, and although you're not at the end of it, that nothing is wasted in God's economy. God directs us on his paths. He is the sovereign God and he always knows what's best. So what I needed to do back then, what I still need to do, what we need to do each day is we need to enter the new day with open eyes. We need to trust in the Lord. We need to lay ourselves completely upon him, knowing that we can, that he can take our full weight. We don't lean on our own understanding, but in all our ways we know God intimately, and then he will take the path of our lives that seems to go nowhere, seems to go down and around and seems rudderless. And he will give us purpose. He will curve us backwards in the right way. He will make our way straight. That is the promise of Almighty God in this proverb. And all of God's people said, Amen.